You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Van Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Van Rock Fantasy Baseball. This is it, everybody. Big Game 7 tonight. Uh, but before that, right now, an hour of baseball talk, fantasy and otherwise. Uh, welcome to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And man, am I looking forward to the next hour. Uh, I've got not just one, but two really, really good guests today. Both uh, people that I've really wanted to have on the show. The first, uh, Molly Knight, I've actually had on the show, had her on. Uh, right at the trade deadline, and we uh, so had had the great timing to talk about the U Darvish trade. Got her back again in timely manner to talk about the uh, Dodgers headed to the World Series. And I've also got Ryan Divishon from the Seattle Times. As far as I know, Ryan is the first Montanan I've had on the show, fellow Montanan. Uh, so he's obviously going to be talking some Mariners with us. Also a little fancy baseball talk with both Molly and Ryan. But uh, surprising amount of news to get to here. So let me try to get uh, through this as efficiently as I can. Uh, of course, tonight, Game 7 ALCS. Uh, you've got Charlie Morton and CC Sabathia are the scheduled starters. Uh, big news from yesterday, Dusty Baker not going to be retained by the Washington Nationals. They've already asked the Astros for permission to speak to Alex Cora uh, as a to be a candidate for that managerial opening, that according to the Boston Globe. Tigers yesterday also officially announced their hiring of Ron Gardenhire as their new manager. So lots of uh, comings and goings here in terms of the uh, managerial ranks, but also uh, in terms of uh, some coaching, too, some coaching moves. Cubs uh, this morning reported that they have fired pitching coach Chris Basio, and that, according to USA Today, they have some interest interest in former Rays uh, pitching coach Jim Hickey. The Giants have fired their pitching coach, Dave Rigetti, and he's been reassigned to a front office role. According to FanRag's own Robert Murray, and according to MLB.com, the Phillies uh, are going to interview Phil Nevin for their managerial opening. And a couple of uh, player items as well. Uh, Daniel Murphy had surgery on his right knee. He had both a debridement and a microfracture procedure. No timetable for his uh, return, although according to Masson, Murphy will be working on his rehab throughout the uh, off season, so that maybe changes the complexion of second base quite a bit. Just Daniel Murphy alone, because there's not really uh, a whole lot of elite talent at the top of the second base ranks. Uh, so that that's really pretty significant for for fantasy purposes. And finally, uh, from uh, uh, Greg Johns of MLB.com. Uh, James Paxton is going to try kinesiology tests and blood testing this offseason to try to find ways to uh, stay healthier on a more consistent basis. So that's an interesting development, maybe one I can bring up with Ryan Divish later on the show. Anyways, Action Pack Show will continue right after this break with Molly Knight. Stay tuned. Did you 
know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me for this segment, and I think the next one, too, that'd be very awesome, uh, from, uh, well, all sorts of places, but uh, probably best known for her uh, best uh, seller, New York Times bestseller, the best team money can buy, Los Angeles Dodgers wild struggle to build a baseball powerhouse, Molly Knight. Molly, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Al. Uh, yeah, and um, you can find Molly, if you uh, haven't found her there already, on Twitter, her as, along with her dog Pirate, uh, at, mm-hmm. at Molly underscore Knight. Uh, is, is Pirate going to get a spinoff account at some point? He might. He's sitting right next to me right now. He's, uh, he's looking around, wanting to maybe contribute to this interview. But, um, but yeah, he hates sports, so because it's uh it's it's time that people are watching the television and, and not watch, looking at him so you know he's he's not he's, he's not into sports his spinoff uh, would be um would be other dogs and treats and naps <laughs> <laughs> you know he's always welcome on the show but I just i've got to change format a little bit for that yeah so uh <laughs> he's not really a barker so i don't know how that would work and he just kind of you know just kind of you know, nod at the telephone. <laughs> okay. well, 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 we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, obviously uh, that the timing is such uh, have you here to talk about the Dodgers postseason run. Uh, yeah. I, I was pretty confident they were going to get this far. I kind of get the sense from you when, when I first, first touched base that you were concerned maybe they wouldn't make it to the World Series. And uh, uh, you, you I think I'm just, little- yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just battle scarred, really. You know, I think that, um, and then with the, I think I was feeling pretty good until the Seeger news. And then I was like, oh man, um, is this going to be the same thing that happened in 2013 when Hanley Ramirez took a fastball to the ribs in the first, uh, his first at bat of the NLCS and they lost? Um, it, it, it had that vibe to it, but the Cubs were just kind of dead this year. I don't know what, what was, um, they're hungover from last year or something. I'm not sure. I don't know why they didn't hit. Um, so yeah, they, they made it. The Dodgers made it look easy. What they're seven and one so far in the postseason. I mean, that, that's that's. Um, we've played good teams too. So yeah, yeah. They uh, well, here, now they await an even better team. Whoever wins this game tonight. Yeah, right, right. Well, and, and so next week I'll have to give uh, equal time because I don't have anybody on <laughs> today to talk about the, the Yankees or Astros. Uh, I wish yeah. I could say that was, you know, by design. And I knew it was going to go seven games, just like I knew the Dodgers were going to be the World Series uh, when I asked you to come I on know. the show. But uh, but I, I will make up for it next week. Uh, anyhow, mm-hmm. well, do, do you have a pick for tonight? <sighs> you know, 
It's t- it's really tough. I I like the Astros at home, um, but I love CC Sabathia, and so it's just it's really difficult. It's I, I think it's a pick 'em. Um, game sevens are are wild. All hands on deck. I mean, it could go 12 innings. We could see Altuve out there playing catcher or pitching. I don't even know. I mean, I just love Altuve so much. I mean, nothing against Aaron Judge because he's also um, so easy to root for. But Altuve is like if Spud Webb or LeBron James. Like, he's just the, just my favorite player. And so I'm going to go with the throws. I think, I think they're going to pull it out tonight. I think so too. So, uh, but I, I agree. The, the the pitching matchup uh, also looks sort of like a toss up to me. Uh, so, well, we'll we'll get to the Dodgers uh, side of the uh, World Series, which starts Tuesday night. Uh, in right. Hot hot LA. What? Uh, hundred. Oh my God! One hundred and two degrees. I'm going to be degrees. stuck to my seat. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. But uh, before we look forward, I want to take a, a quick look backward because, you know, when I said uh-huh. the introduction, you know, we can find you different places. We can find you at the bookstore. We could uh, yeah. uh, also find you in The Athletic. Uh, you recently wrote a really nice piece uh, and very, very funny piece, too, uh, on Kyle uh-huh. Hendricks. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Look, anytime you know somebody can make uh, an analogy work between you, Darvish, and IKEA furniture, um, it's, it's, <laughs> worth, it's worth the read. It's uh, true, though. It's true. He has so many moving parts. <laughs> I'm just like, I watch so much baseball, and I can't figure him out. And I think that that's what happens to him um, as well when he struggles. It's like, my God, he's got so many pitches, but just pick a couple, dude. You know, because you're so good. Don't don't. Don't stress yourself out. It, it's, it is like Ikea, the, the Ikea furniture. It, that's all I could compare it to. I mean, he pitches out of the stretch to simplify things, always. I'm like, dude, I just, just there. I went to that game in Arizona, game three of the NLDF, which the Dodgers won in clinch. And he was as good as he, his stuff that night was as good as any pitcher I've ever seen. And I, and I, and I was at Kershaw's, um, no hitter, uh, a couple of years ago, um, actually right down on the field. And, um, man, Darvish's stuff was so good. And after the game, he told, he's, in Japanese, I had, um, a Japanese friend translate. He told the Japanese media that basically because the, uh, the roof was open and, and desert air was going to mess with stuff, he just, he just simplified. I'm like, well, just do that every time, dude, because you were unhittable. <laughs> like, just throw that slider over and over and over again. They can't see it. They can't hit it. I mean, you're making Paul Goldschmidt, a baseball god, number one Dodger killer, look look ridiculous up there um, because your pitch is just like a wiffle ball. So um, that was, to me, um, people aren't talking about this enough Um because they're talking about uh, Kike and, and Justin Turner and Chris Taylor and, and Kershaw, sort of, you know, the redemption and all that. But for me, man, you Darvish um, has has been what has pushed them over the top because because of him, they're no longer short. They no longer have to, you know, throw Kershaw on short rest. Um, mm-hmm. And that, to me, is, is was the missing link these last four years. They were always good, but they were always short. Um, and, and so this is this he's he's the final piece. Uh, well, you know, that, that provides me with a, a nice segue to ask you about Alex Wood, because there are several Dodgers that I do yeah. want to zoom in on. Um, so he's clearly right. a key part of that. Uh, but just uh, yeah. to follow up. So so, uh, you know, folks, if, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, uh, you know, do so and, and check out uh, Molly's piece. Is there anything else uh, we should be looking for on the horizon yeah, well, coming from you? 
Um, I'm going to be doing a preview of the World Series for my friends at uprocks.com um, and just another fun piece uh, on that. But, but yeah, to kind of talk about Alex Wood, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say next, which is, you know, if they don't get Darvish, they've got Alex Wood pitching game threes of this series, and he's, he's good. He's solid. I mean, he could give you five, uh, maybe six strong innings, but definitely five. But then what do you have? You have Kershaw going again on, on, on game, in game four on short rest. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so, yeah, I mean, I am 100% uncomfortable t- throwing Alex Wood out there for a game four. Uh, and that's because, again, because of Darvish, you know, slotting him in there at game three. And that's why they are go, they, they have been able to mow these teams down versus, you know, going, going five in, in the, in the um, first round and then burning Kershaw, making the pitch four times in nine days, like they did last year. And then looking tired in the second round, like the Cubs did this year, you know? Um, that's that length in the starting pitching um, with Darvish and Wood is, is why they are where they are. Well, it certainly, you know, helped them a lot to get, like you said, get to where they are right now. But what do you expect uh-huh. from Alex Wood um, just in, in general? And I mean, I, I hate to just put this all on, yeah. uh, you know, a start in the World Series, but just in general, because at this point, I, you know, as a, to turn this to fantasy and, and turn this even just to next, uh, you know, next uh, spring. Right. I don't know what to expect from Alex Wood because he came out of nowhere in the first half uh, with the increased yeah. velocity and just absolutely dominating, right. looking like a really serious Cy Young candidate, and then was a, a really far cry from that in the second half. So yeah. uh, I, I would say I even mean, work. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, look, this guy has wipeout stuff. That's why they they traded for him, um, and it's time. They traded a guy that they had a Cuban or a, a prospect in Hector Oliveira, who they had spent thirty million dollars um, signing bonus to get. So they really believed um, in Alex Wood, uh, but it, his problem has just been staying healthy. Um, he's healthy this year, but because he's had so many different um, injuries, his throwing motion is among the most violent you will ever see. Um, he, he hasn't built up the innings, and so this year, what you're seeing is here's a guy who. Is going out there is healthy is throwing ninety four ninety five um, unhittable, and then I think he just got fatigued. He just got tired. He hasn't thrown, you know. He's never. I don't even. I don't. Uh, he might have thrown close to two hundred innings maybe once in his career, but he's never been that guy. So, I just think what you're seeing is somebody who ran out of gas, um, and and that's okay. I mean, he'll get some rest in the offseason. He'll come back. Maybe they'll think about it a little bit next year. I, I expect him probably to be as good as he was the first half of this year for the first half of next year. Um, but yeah, they, they, um, he's good. He's really good. That wasn't a, a mirage. I mean, you look at the, you look at the number of strikeouts um, and yeah. that tells you if you're, if you're a fantasy player, that, that tells you that this is not a guy who's, um, who's going to fall apart. I mean, I mean, not a guy that's a, that's got fake numbers. I mean, he he really was that good. Um, and he's, you know, they just need him to. I, I, it's it's weird. It's kind of a metaphor for the playoffs, right? Like they just need him. Um, they need him to go out and put up zeros. So, like, yeah. if he can only go four or five, like that's fine. Um, yeah, if he can kind of absolutely. dig and do that. But he was only sitting ninety miles per hour um, in the in, in in his last start. So that wasn't that wasn't yeah. good. All right, Molly. Like I cut you off. We got a lot more though coming up after the break. So stick around. We'll be right back. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? 
Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to dailyroto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to dailyroto.com to rock daily fantasy sports. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me for a second segment is uh, Molly Knight. Uh, she's recently uh, written piece for The Athletic. You can read her again on Uproxx. And, of course, you can uh, find her New York Times bestselling book on the Dodgers uh, pretty much just about everywhere. So, uh, Molly, thank you so much for uh, joining me again for another segment here. And uh, sorry, cutting off a bit uh, on uh discussion of Alex Wood in the last segment, and you had a pretty upbeat assessment of him, uh, not only for you know his next postseason start, but also for next year. But I want, want to turn the, the focus to hitting, and mm-hmm. you know, people are sort of lumping Justin Turner and uh, Daniel Murphy together, you know, being ex-Mets mm-hmm. and elsewhere. And, but, but to me, right. I, I think, I think the, the, I don't know, the pairing that I make more, much more often is Justin Turner and Chris Taylor. Because yes. I, I think some people have forgotten Daniel Murphy, the last half season and postseason that he was with the Mets, you know, that's really where the breakout occurred for him. But, yes. Yeah. You know, Turner and Taylor, I mean, they, they, they really did not do much offensively before coming to L.A. They, they, and they were right. sort of similar to me, too, that they were guys I thought who could get on base. Uh, you know, maybe steal a, a base here or there, but didn't foresee, you know, this kind of development for either of them. So is is this coincidence, you think, uh, or is there something organizationally that uh, has helped them? I mean, I think it is a little bit of a, of a coincidence. Um, I think that there, there are two guys who are benefiting from this whole um, revolution of trying to hit the ball in the air, um, which it's so funny to me because I laugh because when I was when I played little league, you know, I I was out there trying to hit dingers, you know, like I was trying to hit the ball in the air, and then ahead of your time. It just seemed like <laughs> oh yeah, and and it just seemed like the thing to do. Of course, I was very small and I was more of a, a D Gordon type, so I hit exactly one in my career, um, but. <laughs> Uh, then like we had this period of time where, oh no, actually, you know, everybody needs to hit line drives. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Line drives are hard to catch. Like that's, you know, have a flat swing, uppercuts lead to strikeouts or pop-ups or whatever. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So then then that took over for quite a while. And then, and now it's like, oh no, no, no. Like to the really intuitive thing, like hit the ball in the air. Um, so it, it's changed the careers of, of of a lot of guys. It's changed the careers of, um, you know, Justin Turner and Chris Taylor. Um, J.D. Martinez retooled mm-hmm. his swing, and he's been incredible, obviously. Um, and, and, and there are other guys, you know, Dan Murphy. Um, Murphy, I would say, is maybe more of a power hitter than, than, than Taylor or Turner. But, look, Taylor or Turner um, are guys who are going to hit 20 to 25 home runs and get a ton of doubles and, and with Taylor tri- some triples, and, but they're just nightmares to pitch to. I mean, I've talked to pitchers on, on opposing teams who just, who say that Taylor is even harder to game plan for than Turner. And Turner is one of those guys who, who will walk more than he strikes out in a season, which is insane. There were only, you know, uh, 
what maybe maybe ten guys in that category. You're looking at you know Joey Votto and Buster Posey and a couple more, and, and that's it. I mean, that's just that's just a nightmare. There are no holes. Um, so. I mean, they're they're just they're really good. They're really really good, um, and it's it's always um, you know it's always great to see guys like that. It's it's inspirational. Um, you know, it got cast off teams, you know, players who were with other teams who got who got just kind of you know told you weren't good enough, and then you know rather than pack it in, they went and they took their minor league deals or whatever it is, and they and they worked hard and they and they became stars. I mean, I don't know of any other sport really where guys who were just kind of afterthoughts could wind up mm-hmm. being, you know, co NLCS MVPs or, you know, co like it just doesn't happen in, in other sports. Um, they, they just, they're good. That, well, so it, you know, it sounds like, you know, you don't necessarily credit the organization with, with that goodness, but something that, that I really, you know, puzzle over a lot uh, is uh, the degree to which, you know, the individual, and their, you know, yeah. their mental makeup uh, plays a role sure. in this because you know baseball's a hard game. You know, it's a, a really lot hard. of play, you know players who get to that level all have some kind of you know crazy elite level skill, and yet there's right. not only you know not only is it that you know you have a, an elite tier of players who. Uh, you know, maybe have an even higher level of skill. But then, like you said, you have players like Taylor and Turner who are, right. you know, they appear sort of fringy, and yet they're able to elevate themselves to that level. In both cases, they reworked their swings, they reworked their approaches. Based on what you know about the players themselves, is there anything yeah. in retrospect, or maybe even, you know, not yeah. with hindsight, but maybe at the time where you said, you know, there's something about this player that I think that they could be, be even more special? You know, it's interesting. I think that you're onto something there because they're both really even keeled, low key guys, real slow heartbeat. Um, and of course, Seager is the same way. Um, Yasiel Puig is not that way, um, but I mean, he's he's been out of his mind, so it doesn't matter. I mean, he's been so good, but um, they're both just uh, just they just remain calm. They're just really laid back dudes, um, and I think that really helps in the playoffs when things can speed up a little bit. Look, I think anybody who has made it to the major leagues um, has found a way to ha- have the mental makeup of, of a freaking you know, champion because it's just so, such a difficult game. But I think to excel in the playoffs, um, you also have to have the ability to slow your heartbeat down a little bit um, when the adrenaline is, is pumping. And those guys both have that. Um, and I think, you know, that's what's allowing that, that that's, that's only helping. And I think Dan Murphy, um, is kind of a similar, similar cat. Um, trying to think like Sabathia tonight, he won't be, he won't be hyperventilating in the bullpen. Um, I'm a little nervous about the Astros starters. I, but I don't know. Um, I don't know Charlie Morton. Um, I don't know Lance McCullers Jr. Um, you know, Verlander, we saw him out there just slow heartbeat. Keiko's the same way. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see tonight. Yeah, well, you, you know, you raised Yasiel Puig, you know, for contrast in terms of you know sort yeah. of uh, approach, um, but he's you know he's mystifying, obviously from a uh, you know I, right. probably from a Dodger fan standpoint, certainly from a fantasy owner standpoint, and I think that he's going to be sort of a, a, a polarizing player this off season as we all set our rankings and make projections and so oh, yeah. good luck. 
I mean, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I mean, look, do you have any guidance just, guys is, for us? Because his pattern is just so atypical in terms of a young player who hit a trough early, you know, but that has rebounded. Right. He's just, look, I really, in the way that, like, I would be as emotional. I mean, I'm not maybe not as outgoing as him, but I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional person as well. So I, I do not really like to Chris Taylor um, <laughs> and, and, you know, hitting a, hitting a dinger and kind of trotting around the bases, you know, with a little smile. Like I don't really, or Corey Seager, same thing. Like I would be more like Kike Hernandez, like I'm about to cry or, or Puig just like throwing my arms around and dancing like that. that I would be more, um, caught in the moment um because of that you're going to see with him you're going to see high highs and low lows you're going to see him look like you know one week he looks like the greatest player that ever lived um and then the next week he looks like uh, he wouldn't make the jv team you know and because of that you've got to temper expectations i mean it's fantasy players um can't get to can't fall in love with like oh now he figured it out and he's going to be you know a top 20 player like no you can't you can't do that to yourself because he's going to he's going to go through high highs and low lows so so temper expectations but i mean look i do think that because now he's no longer expected to carry the dodgers to hit you know 3 4 um, he's like what the fifth best hitter in that lineup now. I think that that's a, a huge thing for him going forward, and the pressure that he'll put on himself. I think that that's a that, that that's a nice um, burden lifted from him if he can hit six, seven in that lineup, maybe even even eight sometimes. I mean, he'll put up better numbers than when they put all that pressure on him. I don't think he's a guy you want hitting fourth in your lineup. I think that if yeah. you if you put him out there, you say, hey, Yasiel. We love your defense. Like you're, you're a huge contributor. We love your, you know, we're going to hit you seventh. Um, we love your bat. He'll, he'll hit 28 home runs or whatever it is. It'll be much, much better going forward. Um, yeah, well, than, than he was like last year. Just for that alone. Just for the pressure yeah, not being on it. That's a that's a very compelling explanation, really, for you know the change this year, the improvement this year. Uh, you know, yeah, let and less that's pressure, why you don't know. hear the, the stories about. Um, you know, his behavior and all that, because it's like, well, he's not, he, he, he's not the guy anymore. Like it doesn't, if he, if he's late or if he does his, if, if it's Yasiel being Yasiel or whatever, like it doesn't matter as much as it used to, because it used to just like totally um, dictate how, what would happen to the team, you know, he, cause he was the guy and everything was resting right. on him. So if he showed up late, it was just like, ugh, you know, but now it's just like, kind of like, well, he's late. We're going to bench him and we're still going to be winning. You know, like it's, it's just a better situation for all involved. He, it's no longer the Dodgers go the way he goes, you know? Right. Um, right. So it, it's just, it's just a better situation. Well, uh, Molly, we've only got about a minute left, but I do want to um, ask you about your fantasy season because you've tweeted some about that. Uh, how, yes, how did I your, won your... both my leagues this year. <laughs> I'm in a regular league in Yahoo with uh, five keepers, and then I'm in a crazy CBS league where we keep 45 players. We have six to, uh, 60 uh, deep teams, 30 minor leaguers and 30 major leaguers. So I finally won that one this year. 
Oh man, I love what those, those are my ask? favorite kinds of formats. So and you won that, so we <laughs> won both of them. So that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, next time I have you on, uh, hopefully I could have you on again. Maybe we'll we'll swap roles. And uh, <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Zimmerman really did it this year. He was a crappy guy. So. Yeah, yeah, I imagine he did for a lot of people. But Holly, thank you so yeah. so much for joining me uh, again today. And uh, again, uh, folks, if you read it, best team money can buy. Uh, make sure you read that, Molly. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, we'll come back with Ryan Divish. Stay tuned. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And big thanks to Molly Knight for joining us for two segments. And we're just going to roll right in uh, to our next uh, guest's uh, appearance here. We've got Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times, Mariners beat writer. Uh, he's on Twitter, at Ryan Divish, D-I-V-I-S-H. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. And as I announced uh, at the beginning of the show, I'm pretty sure you are the first Montanan guest uh, on the show. You grew up in, in Haver uh, up on the High Line, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually in Haver right now as we speak, uh, hanging out and living the slower life for a, for a few days before going back. Uh, I always try and sneak back to Montana every few months, as my parents call it a reality check for me a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, quite different from from Seattle. Uh, I've been a, a resident of Bozeman all the way back to uh, 2016. So um, <laughs> still, still, uh, I guess, learning how to be a Montanan. But uh, <laughs> good, good to have you on. And um, I, I'm just curious before we get into a little bit of Mariners talk and also uh, some some talk about your fantasy league, um, which I know just a little bit about. Um, what was that like? Because uh, I know you played some college ball in North Dakota. So, I mean, what was that like, you know, being a baseball player in Montana where uh, it doesn't really seem to, you know, rate very highly among the sports from, from what I've seen in, in a year plus here? Yeah, it's um, baseball is a little different. They don't have high school baseball in Montana. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all the Legion season starts in April. And, and I mean, I it's – it's gone downhill a little bit, I think, the youth baseball. But when I was coming up, it was pretty good. We played in Canada a lot, and they had a lot of really good programs up there. I remember, uh, this is how old I am, I remember being at a tournament and playing against Jason Bay when he was 16 years old and thinking, my God, this guy is amazing. Um, but, yeah, so, we, you know, that's kind of how it is. You have to kind of look. They, at the time, when I was done with high school, they didn't have – a college baseball program in the entire state. And so I had to look at going to places like North Dakota. I looked at some junior colleges in Idaho and Iowa and places like that to try and play because it just, there wasn't an opportunity to play in state. Now that's changed a little bit with Montana state billings and a couple of the junior colleges adding baseball, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. You got to want it. That's for certain. If you want to go and try and play somewhere, you have to want it. And it's maybe not the type of all year around instruction that, 
you would get in say LA or even in Seattle. I mean, you know, growing up in Hanover, small town, you're expected to play all the sports. And if you're an athlete, so, you know, I did football and basketball. I did swimming for a few years just because that's what you're supposed to do. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And swimming is not one I would have expected either. So, uh, that's uh, you know a very different path than uh, you know I think most uh, most ball players even at the college level, but uh, uh, turning uh, our attention to the Mariners, uh, I would have to say probably uh, a disappointing season given that there was so much offseason activity and granted that's maybe just part and parcel of it being a, a Jerry Depoto, but seemed like that they did a really great job in the offseason shoring up some weaknesses, uh, namely pitching depth and and defense and yet just a small step backwards this year. And and part of that was Robinson Cano, who you figured was going to be one of the, the key contributors. Um, which do you think is the outlier this season, where he really took a step, step back in terms of power, or 2016, which was really by far his best season uh, as a Mar- Mariner offensively? That's a good question. Um, yeah, obviously the season was a disappointment. They had a ton of injuries to their pitching staff. Uh, at one point, they had four of their five, or two different times during the season, they had four of their five projected starters uh, on the disabled list. Um, and Drew Smiley never threw a pitch for them, which really crushed them. Uh, as far as Cano goes, uh, maybe last year was more of an outlier, I think, um, than this season. Uh, I-, I felt like last season he sold out for some power in some situations. You know, if you look at his batting averages decreased a little bit, I think he, he's cheating for some power because it was kind of what everybody else was doing and because he was criticized a lot for it. Um, this year he went kind of drought. He had a pretty good drought um, late in the season when it came to power. He hit some home runs late to make it look a little bit more respectable, but uh, I thought, you know, I didn't see as many doubles. He dealt with a lot of leg injuries this year. Um, and I think that affected him like, you know, nothing that, you know, he had a couple DL stints, but it was nagging stuff that I felt kind of sapped him of, you know, that drive through his legs. You know, people kind of forget that the, the swing itself starts at the base and, and he had so, so many leg problems this year that he was just kind of dinged up. And I think that was an effect. And I do think in a weird way that WBC had an effect on him because, um, last year, going into last season, he was uh, a guy that put in a ton of off-season work. He'd had a he'd had a double hernia surgery going into last off-season, and he put in uh, or two off-seasons ago, put in a ton of work. You know, when I saw him at spring training, he was doing double workouts. He would go in and do the Mariners workout, and then at the uh, this uh, LA Fitness kind of outside by the complex where we would go and play basketball at night. I would see him in there working out with a private trainer. And this year, because of the WBC, he didn't get to do a lot of that stuff because he was gone because he was trying to get baseball ready instead of kind of building his body up. And I think that affected him. And he kind of admitted as much as well that he didn't feel as strong as he should have in the last couple of months of the season because of the injuries, because of some other stuff. So I think that was an issue, but I, I do think, you know, he's, he's going to eventually start kind of going the way of Albert Pujols where the power he does have comes from guessing on fastballs and cheating fastballs and driving them. I don't know that maybe he's the, the complete hitter that we saw, you know, at the end of his Yankees time or even, you know, last season where he, he really had a very complete season. I, I don't think his batting average is over 300, but the OBP was up and the power was up and he was just a, a more complete hitter. And he felt like he wasn't that maybe at the end of this season. Uh, well, and you know, you so you attribute some of the decline, or maybe a lot of it, to um, to injury. Do you think there's a similar storyline for Gene Segura? Because I, I had completely bought into the 2016 breakout for him, and I understand that he was in a, in a better power hitting environment in Arizona, but I still thought he had a chance to 
hit 20 homers again uh, with the Mariners. Uh, and, of course, he missed some time with injury. So what do you think happened there? Yeah, I, I think um, that might have been the power surge was, you know, conducive to where he was playing at and, you know, Safeco Field and, and he basically playing in the AL West unless you hit him out in, in Texas or Houston when you have to play in Anaheim and, and Oakland, that's not conducive. I, I, I He had a, a myriad of kind of nagging issues, you know, a hamstring issue early, then a severely sprained ankle, then he hurt his finger. He was nicked up pretty good, and I think that uh, robbed him of his power as well. But, you know, I, I don't know that he'll ever be more than a more than a maybe 20 home run guy at the most. Uh, I think just kind of with where he's playing at now, and, you know, I think maybe that was an outlier to get as much power as he had, uh, you know, in Arizona. I think, you know, if, if he gets to 20 homers, they'd be more than satisfied with it. They really want to uh, you know, see that average stay around 300 and, and the OBP be up there. You know, he's not a guy that walks a lot, um, but just, you know, they, they bat him at the leadoff spot and want him to get better, uh, you know, just get him on base and, and kind of be that guy with Seager, Cruz, and Cano behind him. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I saw a piece, I actually mentioned it very briefly early on in the show uh, this morning about um, James Paxton getting some uh, planning on doing some blood testing in the off season to try to, you know, find the secret to improved health. Uh, but I actually want to talk about Felix Hernandez. Uh, do you think he can stay healthy because he had a lot of shoulder issues this year? Uh, didn't necessarily put up great numbers when he came back in September, but got a ton of ground balls through a sinker more often. Uh, do you think he was, was healthier to end the season? Do you think he'll be healthy heading into next year? And, and what are some reasonable expectations for, for Hernandez? Yeah, I think it'll be better. I, I think he's reassessing um, his off-season workout plan, uh, and you know, not having the WBC, I think, will be a big factor as well for his health. Um, I, the Mariners kind of privately were felt like the shoulder issues that he had were from two things. He went to a different trainer this off-season that put more muscle on him than they would have liked. You know, he kind of bulked up a little bit when he was doing these workouts. I don't know if it was intentionally or what, but they felt like he lost flexibility. Uh, in his upper body, and that led to some of the shoulder issues. And then just getting started early, and then the, kind of the wear and tear of throwing hard in the uh, WBC, probably before he was ready. So he's looking at doing some more flexibility stuff in the off season. I, I was teasing him about doing hot yoga uh, and and that kind of stuff to try and get that flexibility back and get his core strength back. That was an issue with his mechanics, his mechanics break down because he doesn't have the core and leg strength to kind of maintain them because he's not, his mechanics aren't something you would, you know, teach your kids. I mean, it's, it's very unique and they're very difficult to repeat. And that was an issue. I think what you mentioned about the ground balls and the sinkers, you know, that's what they're asking him to. It's something he's been slow to buy into, but, you know, it's kind of this whole Felix 2.0 in his mindset about how he's supposed to pitch. Now he isn't, you know, King Felix dominant anymore. One, he doesn't have the command of his pitches to do that, but the ticks off and the velocity on his fastball and the league understanding how he gets guys out, which is, you know, usually throwing that nasty change up with two strikes and just, you know, burying guys, you know, mm -hmm. the teams have figured him out, especially the, you know, it started with the Rangers and the Astros and, and now people have copied that. What he's done is try to get more early outs, more early contact, get the ground balls, use the sinker. Also take some miles per hour off the, the changeup. He was throwing the changeup at 89 miles an hour while his fastball was only 90. And while the changeup had, you know, significant sinking movement, it, it just was too close to the same speed, and uh, that was an issue. So I, I think, you know, if he's going to be good 
next year, and you, you know the Mariners have him for two more years, if he's going to be good, he's got to go kind of the way of CC Sabathia. And now CC has the advantage of being left-handed, but understanding that ground balls are good, early outs are good, efficiency is good, and, and maybe not going for the strikeout, you know. And, and I think that's been something that's slow for him to understand because you know in his mind he's still King Felix and he wants to strike everybody out. But his sure. days of being a 200 strikeout, 200 inning pitcher, I think, are beyond behind him. Okay. Well, Ryan, we're, we're just about out of time. I really wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, asking you about fantasy because I understand you're in a league with a bunch yeah. of other beat writers. Uh, so it, it just, you know, ultra, you know, lightning round form. How did it go this year? So I, I didn't do it this year. It's the, the league of uh, dork, but I call them. They're in that one really <laughs> fancy fantasy league where it's not even real players. But I did win my Roto League this year, which gave me a nice $1,500 paycheck. So I have to thank my buddy Doug, who helped run it with me. We won our league. That was good. Paul Goldsmith is my life my lifeblood in that. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and want to thank Ryan Divish for joining us for that last segment. Ryan from the uh, Seattle Times, Mariners beat writer, uh, and apparently former fantasy baseball player. So uh, <laughs> didn't uh, have much time to talk to him about that anyhow, but uh, some great insight on the Mariners. And um, also some news that uh, broke while uh, I was talking to uh, him and earlier uh, Tamale Knight on the show. Um, and actually at the beginning of the show, I talked about how the Nationals asked for permission to talk to Alex Cora about their new managerial vacancy. But according to Ken Rosenthal, and again, this is just uh, breaking within the hour, that uh, the Red Sox are expected to offer him their managerial job once the AL, or I'm sorry, once the Astros uh, season is over. So uh, if they, they lose tonight, uh, maybe uh, Cora could be announced as the Red Sox manager shortly thereafter. If they go to the World Series, probably won't hear anything about that for a while. But uh, that that's uh, big news there, uh, again, from Ken Rosenthal. Uh, and uh, before I finish up here, I just want to be sure to remind you uh, that you can go to either dailyroto.com or rotoexperts.com uh, and enter those uh, web addresses and then add slash DKMS. And there you will not only find some information on DKMS and their mission to fight blood cancer, but also a link to Fantasy Draft where you can play a free DFS fantasy football game uh, that we here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network are, are co-sponsoring. Uh, there's new contest every week, so you can, even if you haven't played up to this point, you can play this week. You can play every week uh, right through week 16 and if you are one of the weekly winners then you'll be part of a uh, championship matchup uh, where the ultimate winner 
wins two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. But uh, whether you play the game or not, check out one of those sites because it's real. DKMS is really a great organization that uh, is involved in the very, very important fight against blood cancer. And you can get information on how to sign up as a bone marrow donor or just simply how to make a donation or just learn more about the organization and its cause. So uh, be sure to do that. Uh, and uh, before I, I sign off here, I uh, want to head and check out a Twitter poll that I put up just uh, probably about half an hour before the show, because I was thinking about tonight's Game 7, which uh, I don't expect to be the uh, pitching matchup, the pitcher's duel that uh, last night's game was for uh, you know a good while. And of course, uh, Luis Severino blinked first. Justin Verlander really didn't blink at all. <laughs> Had another outstanding performance. But tonight we've got CeCe Sabathia and Charlie Morton. And they both had regular seasons that are really hard to figure out. In Morton's case, a uh, huge spike in velocity, spike in strikeouts, really great numbers overall. And just a, a merely good ERA in the mid threes, while Sabathia had a very similar ERA, while his ratios were were not quite as impressive, particularly the strikeout uh, ratio. So I decided to put it for a, a Twitter poll, uh, and I made the game score the, the determining factor here because I didn't want to get into you know fantasy formats or whatever. But I asked who will have the, the higher game score tonight, Morton or Sabathia, and Sabathia won pretty comfortably, fifty eight to forty two percent. So I don't know if that's maybe uh, some Yankee fans, maybe with some bias or whatever. I thought it would be a little closer. I thought maybe even Morton, because of all those strikeouts, might win. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe that translates next season into ADP. I kind of would doubt it, to be to be honest. But um, any event, should be a great game tonight. Really looking forward to it. And uh, really looking forward to the World Series starting uh, Tuesday night. And as uh, Molly Knight and I talked about it, it's going to be sweltering there at Dodger Stadium for uh, first pitch on Tuesday. At least that's the forecast. Anyhow, hope you enjoy the game tonight. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, be back here same time, same station next week. And meanwhile, stay tuned for the producers. Take care, everyone.